Hello and welcome to another episode of the Autos and Airwaves podcast. I am your host, Alex Shum. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Jacob Bach. Uh, he is a fellow car enthusiast from Charlotte, North Carolina. He runs his own podcast, the Tank Half Empty podcast, which actually inspired me to uh, create this. Uh, he has a really cool car collection. Um, really, the best way I describe him is he's a good old Southern boy with a great taste in cars. So, Jacob, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. It means a lot. And I'm looking forward to discussing automotive topics with you today. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, some of the cars or some of the cars that you own or all the cars you own, Uh, you know, give us like your social medias and we'll go on from there. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with the cars that currently run. Um, The newest addition to my fleet is uh, a 2022 Land Rover Defender. Um, I am currently driving it as I speak. Um, I have about 1,765 miles on the odometer. Um, And so far, so good mechanically. There are a couple of little issues here and there, but I think uh, we'll discuss that later in Alex's podcast. Uh, I also have a 2017 Audi RS3. Um, That's probably one of my favorite cars I've ever owned and driven. Um, and then I also have a 2011 Mini Cooper JCW, um, which is, it's a lot of fun. I actually think I enjoy driving it more than the RS3, but that might just be because if I roll it into a ditch, it doesn't cost me as much to replace. <laughs> and it's a six. So, uh, yes, it's a manual. So, um, yeah, I, I love driving that. There's, um, a lot more engaging, um, and it's a lot more fun and turns, I guess. It's a little more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets you have more fun without doing felony speed. Right. It's a mini. And that's what they're, that's what they're all about, the go-kart-like yeah. handling. And I know that's like a whole marketing yeah. thing, but I, I think that's true. They do handle incredibly well. They are so much fun to drive. They and, certainly do. Yeah. You know, they're, they're British. I mean, you can't get it. I mean, there's not many cars that are more British than a mini. And it's just, it's, it's, they just have all that charm and character. I think it's the only thing BMW has ever made that has, that's really charming and just is full of character. You know, it's. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. It's, uh, and they're, 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 they're great cars and they're actually, you know, pretty reliable, you know, for British cars and for BMW. I know a lot of them don't really have a whole lot of issues, but like I said, they're just fun, you know just really fun really well-tuned uh cars and that goes for everything in the mini lineup i'm not just saying like the cooper i mean the the clubman and the even the the countryman drives pretty well in my opinion yeah um i think they're all they all share one platform now so uh, it's actually the same platform that underpins the bmw x1 mm-hmm. i think so, it's a I U- think- ukl2 platform if i'm not mistaken yeah maybe i can't remember but yeah so the the cooper the clubman and the countrymen all share one unified platform um i've not personally driven a new mini but i don't know if that compromises its handling in any way i do know that the gp3 is the fastest front wheel drive car that i think motor trend has ever tested from the factory Mm -hmm. i drove Um, one of those actually 
Oh, really? Um, I was very disappointed. Well, it's probably because it was an automatic, not a manual. Well, yeah, they're all automatic. It's that ice in eight speed that's not the best. Uh, it had some of the worst shift programming I've ever experienced. And the fact it was just too, it, it, it was too expensive. Those carbon fiber fender flares are just tacky. And the you mean the offcuts of an I-8? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I bet you that carbon fiber came from the same factory in Lake Moses, Washington, where BMW gets all their carbon fiber from. Um, but, yeah, that's a fun fact. All the carbon fiber in BMWs comes from Washington State. The, but, no, it, it just it, – it, it was just – you know, I'm all for a stiff ride. I mean, I do not mind a bone-shattering ride. But that was a little excessive in that thing. And I know it's a track car, but it still wasn't that well equipped. You know, it's all about, you know, lightweight and all that. But it, it just it just didn't stick with me. It, the normal JCW is the one I'd go for any day. I think that it might not handle as good as the GP is the GP3, but um, it's just a better car, you know, all around. I think it's just not as compromised. Plus, but, you can get it with a manual. Exactly, exactly. And you can get it in British Racing Green. Yes, that too. Uh, so, real quick, uh, RS3. Um, I had the chance to drive yeah. one of those. Loved that thing. I almost – that was actually a car that I almost got. Um, I was considering getting that over a Defender, but at the time, you couldn't order one. So, ultimately, I ended up with a Defender. But the RS3 is that, – that engine, that 2.5-liter – five-cylinder turbo sounds amazing torque everywhere um really responsive and yeah it's it sounds like the old audi quattro yeah which is one of the best sounds from an engine ever i yeah. mean it's it's like a, a mini v10 and when you fly up somewhere and people hear you coming they kind of expect an exotic car and then when they see a little a four-door sedan people kind of scratch their heads right like, Excuse me, what? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yours is a, a launch edition, correct? Limited number? Yes. Uh, yeah, one of 250 between Canada and the United States, I believe. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think mine is one of 33 in the world in Nardo Gray with my exact spec for 2017. Wow. So, yeah. It's impressive. That's a, it is. Impressive. It's a great and it's a great little car. It's um, it's so much fun. It's a, it is. I love driving it. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> so uh, Defender, we will get into that later. Um, but let's uh, go to the cars and bids segment. Yeah. So I am going to pull up your car that you chose. Um, I'm going to share my screen because this is Zoom. So tell me, what did you choose on cars and bids? I chose a Range Rover Classic in a beautiful green color. Um, it's in need of some tender love and care, mm -hmm. but I think that that will help keep the price down. It would keep it reasonable for somebody like me who already has more cars than he could shake a stick at. <laughs> um, and it would be a fun little project um to restore 
and it currently has tan interior. Um, but I, I would that. definitely upgrade that and make it a nicer tan interior. But you can't beat that green over tan combo. It's Not such at a, all. a classic British look, and I love it. It's amazing. It has the three spoke wheels. It's, uh, and it's, you know, it, it's clearly had some work done to it. It's not in perfect shape, but for what it is, it's pretty good. And, it, and it's honest. It's not trying to be a fancy restored, you know, Range Rover classic. Um, it's got the, I believe it's the 200 TDI engine, uh, which is the 2.5 liter four cylinder. Yes. Yep. 200 TDI. Yes, it is the 200 TDI. One of them, probably the most reliable engine Land Rover ever made. Um, I would agree with that. I think I've seen reports of some of those engines making it a million miles. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's that high, but I've seen many with over 200, 300,000 miles with just kind of basic maintenance. Um, but they're slow. <laughs> they're really slow. Yeah. I mean, but that's not built for speed. No, it's not. But, and you have to think back in the day, that could have been considered quick. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I did not live in the, in the 90s that was like right after me well also i mean it was, that, that engine came out in the 80s as well but regardless it is a really nice um you know example of a range rover classic and it could use some more work and with some more work it could be a really 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 nice really nice example so, yeah for sure yeah it's uh, i think you made a great choice and I'm, I'm not at all surprised you chose one of these um especially because you're you're a lot like me you have a little thing for uh british cars I do. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, move on then to the car I chose, which, my God, I was very fortunate enough. I recently had the chance to drive one. This is the 2022 Cadillac CT4V Blackwing. Um, this one is uh, finished in the electric blue i believe is what it's called um yes electric blue with a jet black interior um it has the carbon fiber one and carbon fiber two packages which gives you uh, a larger carbon rear wing uh these dive planes on the front bumper a bigger carbon fiber splitter and then the carbon fiber two pack gives you the carbon fiber rocker panels um a little overkill in my opinion but it's tastefully done if I got one of these, I would not get the carbon fiber pack. But yeah, it, it's an amazing car. I mean, so like I said, it has carbon fiber one and carbon fiber two packages. Has the climate package, which gives you the heated steering wheel, uh, cooled seats, with um, it, with um, also a massage function. So you have heated and ventilated and massage front performance bucket seats, which like it ticks all the boxes. Um, it has the suede microfiber interior trim package, which gives you like suede headliner, sun visors, and like the sunroof shade. Um, Probably a suede steering wheel too. I don't believe it does actually. I think this one has the leather steering wheel. Uh, okay. Yeah, this one yeah, has the leather. I, good. I can't stand a suede steering wheel or an Alcantara steering wheel. Yeah, same here. Because all the oils on your hands ruin it over time. Yeah, that's why I wear gloves all the time when I drive the RS3. Yeah. I know people think, look at me and think I'm crazy, but it is what it is. Right. And I don't blame you at all. 
and, and this car is extremely well equipped. This particular one, the sticker price was $77,085, which is, this thing competes directly with an M3. And this has almost everything you can get on a CT4V. And it costs the same as a, is an M3, a base M3 six speed with a couple options. Cause the M3s are so expensive now. And this might not be as nice on the inside as the M3, but it's pretty close. Uh, and it yeah, has I, most of the features. Of, yeah, I'm not a big fan of BMW interiors. I think I'd actually prefer the Cadillac interior and to have all those options. I mean, to get anywhere near that amount of options mm -hmm. on a M3 or M4, you're looking at spending upwards of $80,000. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, I didn't mention this one has the six-speed manual. It's a Tremec TR6060 six-speed, which is the same one that's in basically everything the GM does. Um, it's in the, all the Camaro V8s. Uh, it's it, a good manual. It is a good manual. I, uh, uh, I believe the, the Mustang uh, GT350, Shelby GT350 had that transmission as well. It's a good transmission. Um, and it's uh, powered by a 3.6 liter twin turbo V6. It's the LF4 engine. Makes uh, 472 horsepower and 445 pound-feet of torque. That's 603 newton meters. And what's really cool about the manual one over the automatic is the manual versions get titanium connecting rods, whereas the automatic ones don't. And also- I wonder if that's to help them rev out better. Could be. I'm not sure. I would imagine it probably has something to do with that. Um, but this one is also a one of the first. It's a 250 collector series cars. This car is number six. And basically the collector series just gets you a special plate with like signatures of the some of the engineers of Cadillac's V performance team. Uh, so actually um, kind of moving on here, um, we will talk. I'm going to talk about this uh, with my experience driving these. So I'm going to kind of steal the show here for a few minutes um, as we talk about the CT4 and also the CT5, the Blackwing, because I was very fortunate enough to drive them both. Um, I'll start off with the CT4. Uh, in some ways, I preferred it over the CT5. I think it handled slightly better just because of its smaller size. It was just a little bit sharper. Um, it, it was amazing. I mean, honestly, after driving this M3 who, RS5 who, and even, I mean, I would take this over the Julia Quadrifolio. That's, uh, that's how much I like this car. Um, even though there are some shortcomings, um, you know, the interior is nice, but still not quite there yet. Um, there is some cheap plastics in some areas. Uh, I don't think it's as good looking as some of the cars in the competition. I think the Julia looks better. I think the RS5 Sportback looks better. Um, but it's not a bad looking car. But my God, the way it drives. Um, it, it was amazing. It, it's on the Alpha 2 platform, which is... Um, it, 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 it's the second generation of the Alpha platform, which... The original Alpha platform GM benchmarked the E46 3 Series in terms of handling. And that was like, because the E46 is regarded as one of the best handling cars of all time. That was their benchmark. They didn't benchmark 
you know, the current three series and all that because it quite frankly just wasn't as good. And they did a great job. The old ATS, one of the best handling cars I've ever driven, the ATS V was amazing. Um, that car had a lot of shortcomings. The interior in that was excruciatingly cheap. It, it was it was really bad. Um, had but, the Cadillac but, Q system as well, did it? it? Yeah, that had Q, the Q infotainment system, which was just, it was so bad. I mean, it, hap, haptic feedback does not work very well in cars. Um, but yeah, this CT4 V, like I said, it's the LF4 3.6 liter twin turbo V6, very linear in terms of just how it delivers power. Um, yeah, of course there's a tiny bit of turbo lag, but that turbo spools up so quickly and it's just a wave of torque all the way up the red line. And now the one I drove had the optional 10 speed automatic, um, and it was amazing. I mean, I would get one with a manual, but this 10 speed was so good. I mean, it was just as good as the ZF eight speed. And I mean, and that's the best torque converter automatic transmission you can get. And this was just as good. It was so smooth when you want it to be just, you know, putzing around town. Um, and then like in race mode, it was lightning quick and it was, the shifts were just, just, bam, 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 all the way through the gears. It was, it was such a wonderful, wonderful transmission. Um, yeah, and it's, I was really, really impressed with how well that transmission was tuned. Um, and downshifts were really good. I mean, downshifts were pretty quick. Um, not as quick as uh, some versions of the ZF 8-speed, but pretty close, pretty close. Um, and I think... Uh, this car is just the right amount of performance for the street. I mean, driving it, me personally, I wouldn't want any more power out of a car, like for a street car. Um, but it's, you can, of course, you can easily get in trouble with it, but it's, it's not like an absurd amount of power. Uh, zero to 60, I think they claim with the automatics, like 3.9 seconds. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit faster than that. With the manual, it's like 4.1, which is big. I think the, the new M3 with the six speed is like 4.1 or 4.2, zero to 60. Um, but just the the way it handled was amazing. It's on uh, GM's magnetic, fourth generation magnetic ride control, which, you know, it's just magnet ride dampers. Um, it was stiff, um, but extremely compliant. Even in like tour mode, which is like comfort mode, you could put, you know, I could put my grandmother, I could put my girlfriend, I could put my mom in that car and they would not complain. Um, then you put it in, you know, race mode and V mode, it, it stiffens up quite a bit, but it's still compliant, which is really, really nice. Uh, kind of the most amazing thing, in my opinion, is, the, is GM's PTM, stands for Performance Traction Management, and that uses the ABS, the Stability and Traction Control, and the uh, ELSD to basically maximize performance driving, to make you go faster. And you would think having all those electronic nannies to help you with that, you'd think it, it wouldn't feel very natural, but it does. It, it, the harder you push it, the faster it goes. And it doesn't, you know, it, 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 you know, of course you can get it to drift if you wanted to, but PTM just, it somehow finds grip, it's amazing. Um, 
And it was, like I say, it was well-equipped. The seats were lovely. You know, the heated and cooled function was great as well as the massage. Cadillac ditched Bose audio, and they now have an AKG sound system. Very, very, very good sound system. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was an amazing car. And, you know, there are very few cars I would personally write a check for. And this, without a shadow of a doubt, is, is one of them. So real quick, I'm going to go into the CT5, the Blackwing, which is the bigger one. It competes with the M5, the E63, and the RS7. So this one that I drove had the six-speed manual. Again, like I said, the same Tremec TR6060 six-speed that you can get in all the Camaros. Um, it's the one that's in the CT4 as well. This one was even more impressive. Um, it's 6.2 liter LT4 V8, supercharged, 668 horsepower and 659 pound-feet of torque. That's 893 Newton meters for my metric system friends. Um, and again, like the thing that impressed me the most, uh, PTM, performance traction management, it, it puts its power down like it's all-wheel drive. It really does. I mean, it, it's, it, it's just amazing. And you know, the, the also again being on the Alpha Two platform, this thing was set up and developed by people who really care about cars, who really care about a well-tuned performance car, and it shows. Um, you know, after, again, after driving this M5 Who, E63 Who, it this thing just is better than all of them, and it was a hell, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than all of them too. I mean, this thing starts, I think, at like $84,000, whereas, in, you know, an RS7 starts at like, I think, around $110,000. An E63 is like in the, that same price as well as the M5, but it it was amazing. And like I said, the Tremec TR6060 at six speed, really good, short throws. You know, it just slots right into gear. You don't have to think about it. Um, the You know, the, the detents were just absolutely just perfect. Uh, the clutch um, was heavy, but that's understandable in a car with, you know, 668 horsepower and 659 pound-feet of torque. But um, yeah, it also, one of the coolest features, and it's also, it's in basically all the GM performance cars at this point. It has no lift shift. So like if you're doing full throttle acceleration, you don't even need to lift off the accelerator to shift. You just keep your foot down. The computer knows, okay, it's getting close to red line. And it'll basically cut power for you while you shift and then get back on it without you taking taking your foot off the accelerator. It's it's kind of weird um, to experience that, but hey, it, it works. Um, and yeah, in a straight line, it's not as fast. Zero to 60 is an M5 or an E63 or an RS7. Um, those cars are all in the high twos, low threes, but... The, I think car and driver tested the CT5 V Blackwing with the six speed. They got like zero to 16, 3.6. Still fucking fast. Um, and that's really impressive for rear wheel drive manual transmission with all that power and 3.6 is amazing. And like I said, it, it puts its power down like it's all wheel drive. Of course, you can get the back end to slide if you want, if you want it to, but naturally it just, it, it just finds grip. It's amazing. Um, you know, power was manageable, but it's, you know, it, you can still get in big trouble with that. Just a little, 
you know, a little bit of gas, you, I mean, it, it's fast. It's really fast. Um, like I said, same, the Magna Ride 4.0, the same one that's in the CT4, uh, very supple in the tour mode. And then once you put it in, you know, the track mode, it gets really stiff and it, 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 it in, you know, it can reduce, you know, pitch and body roll as well. And they do such a great job with Magna Ride. GM pioneered Magna Ride. They were basically kind of the inventors of it. It was invented by Delphi under ownership of GM, but it was amazing. And it sounds great. That LT4 engine just sounds amazing. And um, yeah, it was, it was such an amazing car. So yeah, and that's another car I would personally write a check for. It was so good and it was the biggest shock. Um, and I give GM a lot of shit and rightfully so because GM makes a lot of shit. Um, stuff like, like the new Chevy Trailblazers is garbage, like the new Buick Encore GX or whatever the fuck it's called. It, they're just shit cars that were developed you know engineered to a price by the bean counters high up at gm i mean they're all just engineered to a price um but the thing of in my opinion about gm they have some of the best engineers in the world they really do and then when those bean counters kind of let up a little bit and allow them to do some good they make amazing stuff i mean for example all the new trucks and SUVs from GM, the new Silverado Sierra, they just got a facelift. The interiors are super, super nice now. New Escalade is wonderful. Uh, C8 Corvette, amazing. Um, the Alpha platform stuff, the, uh, so the Camaro and the CT4 and CT5, all amazing. And now going into the future, their new Ultium battery platform is going to be a game changer for electric vehicles. And, you know, when the, like I said, when those bean counters, you know, loosen up a bit, GM does great, really great things. And yeah, I, that's a car that CT5V Blackwing is a car I will own one day. And I'm promising myself that it's, and I, without a shadow of a doubt, I think this is going to be the last rear wheel drive V8 sedan with a manual transmission. And Cadillac said this: the CT4 and CT5 Blackwings are their last ICE uh, V performance cars before they go fully electric. And what a way to go out. They were so, so, so good. So that's kind of my little rant, not rant, but gushing over these two cars. So, yeah, let's now move on to um, the Defender stuff, you know, uh, you own a Defender, I own a Defender. Both of ours are almost identical in terms of equipment. Um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, people kind of know my story with the Defender, but why don't you go ahead and, you know, stuff that you like, stuff that you don't like. So I'll take uh, it away. Yeah. So um, there actually aren't very many things I don't like about this car. Um, I do wish that there were a little uh better quality control at the factory um my particular defender i run into a couple of qa issues um so there is a run in the paint on the rear hatch which 
you can't really see it unless you know what you're looking for. Um, but I'm a very particular person, mm -hmm. so I managed to find it. Um, it also looks like on the door still, uh, they've painted over some adhesive that's starting to now come off, um, which is concerning. Um, fortunately, every part of the car that has bad spots in the paint are aluminum, so they won't really rust. Mm -hmm. But for a new car, you kind of expect the paint to be basically Good. perfect. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm unless not if it's G unless if it's GM. Yeah, I'm not expecting it to be like no orange peel, but like I expect that the paint that's on the vehicle is correctable and can be made look stunning. Mm -hmm. um, which from an untrained eye, this car looks perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. um, so some other issues I have is the, uh, the lower plastic door trim. Um, came in warped from the factory so it's not sitting completely flush against the body and Land Rover and all their infinite wisdom decided that they would build the clips into those plastic trim pieces so as soon as you take them off you rip the clips off so it's not like you can just replace the clip and try to make it sit a little more flush to the body um props for them for making people spend more money though I mean they they sure know how to get you they need to make money too but yeah, yeah. No. well, um, there are a couple other issues like uh, my steering wheel controls. They were working intermittently, although with uh, the last software update I did probably at the end of September, that seems to have fixed the issue. I haven't run into it since, but since that was fixed, I now have issues with CarPlay where after the phone has been plugged in for like five minutes, the music functionality stops working. Everything else works fine, but I have to unplug my phone and plug it back in. And then afterwards, it'll work for however long you need it to work. So um, that was another weird issue that I run into. Um, I think lastly, the issue that I've run into is that the glove box lock cylinder does not appear to be keyed to my valet key or like the physical key that's um, really strange it's quite concerning actually um yeah it's actually really annoying because I, I really don't know how they're going to fix it i assume that the the lock cylinder slides out somehow um but yeah it doesn't uh when you insert the key a it doesn't look like the key goes in far enough i've tried giving it a healthy shove and it doesn't go in any further um and it doesn't twist left or right i've tried the key in both of its planes of orientation even though they should be coded the same way um and it still doesn't work so um yeah, yeah i'm that's... uh once all my replacement parts for everything come in for the door panels i'm taking it to the dealership and they're looking at my uh, laundry list of issues. And, you know, it, it's a new car on a new platform. This well, is to this be expected. Is technically, it's third model year yeah, production but, now. But, well, now they're in their fourth model year production. Yeah, so and it's they, only they, been out for like yeah. a year and a half. Yeah, And it has so. been in pandemic and all the quality issues and stuff. I understand why 
their issues like this. Um, in like for me, it's annoying, but it doesn't really bother me because I knew go I knew this going into it. However, yeah, mine. I mean, my paint is perfect. I mean, it's now has some stone chips on it, but that's to be expected on a car. Um, most of my issues have been kind of like electronic stuff. Um, the main one that actually just happened is my sunroof stopped working. Uh, thank God it stopped working when it was closed and not open because it is raining outside. Um, that wouldn't be fun. Uh, and since it's now getting colder, it's not, it's not an issue at all. Um, uh, USB ports stopped working and they came back on. It was like an intermittent issue. And for the past couple of weeks, they've been working every single time, but you know, I already had new ones on order and they're going to put it in and, you know, that's going to fix the issue. Another issue is the little leather strap to fold down the seat cushion in the second row ripped. It's just bad design because it, it got caught underneath like the child seat anchors and that's how it like locks in place. And I pulled it and it wasn't coming out and I pulled it again and it, and it just ripped off. And I was like oh, crying out loud. So all of those stuff has been on order forever. And I called my dealer uh, this past week and uh, you know, called the, talked to the parts guy that you know I've been working with forever now. And you know, it's like, well, you didn't see anything, but you wanted to go make sure just to check anyway. And luckily all my stuff arrived. So now uh, the middle of next month is the earliest I can get it in to get all that stuff fixed. So, um, New USB ports, actually the USB ports have been at the dealer for ages now. I just was waiting for the seat so I don't have to go in and go in again, just do it all at once. So they're going to replace my cushion, replace my USB ports. Um, I'm going to have them look at the headlights because the auto high beam assist basically turns itself off every 10 or so ignition cycles. And it's not just a problem with my car. It's a well-known problem. And apparently the uh, headlight control module just needs an update and that fixes it. So I'm going to have them do that and obviously have them look at the sunroof. But other than that, I mean, it's been fine. I mean, I mechanically it's been perfect and yeah, it has these little hiccups, but you know, compared to some other defenders that I've seen, I'm really happy with how mine's working. Also my windshield cracked and that's a clusterfuck. Uh, I've been waiting for one since like March or April and I'm not getting one until after the first of the year. So, yeah, but luckily it's not that big of a deal. The crack is pretty small. Yeah. Mine actually with 256 miles on the car, I got a chip in my windshield and it was at the very edge. So I took it to safe flight and they were like, I don't even know if we can get the machine on it. Not to mention it's like within half an inch of the edge of the windshield. So putting pressure on it might make it crack. I was like, well, it'll probably crack anyway, so he just as well give it a shot. And they managed to get it fixed, so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, mine's chipped. It's not a huge chip, but it's it's there, and I'm surprised it hasn't cracked yet. Um, now, once it gets winter, it might, but we'll see. Yeah, now and knock actually, on some wood. Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, but another thing uh, – Last month, I had the windshield replaced on my dad's Q7, and it's the same company that replaced the windshield on our Discovery three times. Um, 
And he said that the defender's windshield is the worst windshield that they've ever seen from Land Rover. It is so thin. And also, since it's pretty upright, it's obviously more prone to getting, you know, chipped and cracked. But he said that is so, the, just the glass is so thin on those. It, you know, they've done so many of them and now they can't because they can't get windshields. So thank you, coronavirus. Thank you, China. Thank you, you know, whatever. People, go to work. All right. Go to work, make money and the world will turn again. That's my uh, political talk for the day. Um, but yeah, so actually, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Defender, um, trim level, color, options you got, you know, engine. Yeah, so I was really lucky, and I managed to get every single option I wanted. Um, a lot of people who were ordering around the same time I did were being told that they can't get some of these options, or if they really want this option that they'll either lose their build slot for 2022 and they might not get a delivery until the middle of next year. Um, but I have a Tasman blue defender S 2022 year model. Uh, it has uh, the upgraded headlights. It has the upgraded interior screen, uh, which is a no-brainer it's like a 140 dollar option and you get 40 percent more screen real estate like why yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get it because it wasn't available when i ordered mine but also i do like the way mine looks better because it's integrated into the dash instead of kind of being tacked on i mean they, they did a pretty good job with the 11.4 inch screen in the new defender it's not like yeah. tacked on but it's still kind of tacked on but yeah, for the money, why not? And now for 23, it's standard on all of them. You can't even get the 10-inch screen anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, that wasn't available when I uh, got mine. But I'm happy with what I have. Yeah. I mean, I, the reason the reason why I got it was because I plan on using this to go overlanding. Mm -hmm. And I use an app called Gaia to help plan my routes and everything. And Gaia integrates with Apple CarPlay. So I have this mammoth screen that I can use. It's bigger than an iPad mm -hmm. to navigate. So I don't have to have uh, an iPad tacked onto my dash somewhere with a fancy mount. Yeah. So I, I really like it. I enjoy it. Um, so other options I have, um, I went with white steel wheels because I also selected to go with a white, a white roof. Um, Classic look. The yeah, way to do it. The way to do that's, it what i was going for the classic uh inspired design um and the blue in my opinion is the best color that you can currently get on the defender sorry alex pangea green just doesn't do it for me yeah i but. love i love mine but that blue is nice and the thing that i like about it's metallic but it's a weird metallic like it doesn't look metallic until you're like right next to it it looks like a solid yeah. paint whereas like pangea green you see, you can see that thing from a hundred feet away and it's like, oh yeah, that's a metallic paint color. Yeah. I really enjoy the, the way that the paint looks, especially how it different differentiates itself mm -hmm. between being in the shade and being in uh, sunlight. Yeah. Um, Cause it's almost when it's in the shade, it's almost like a, a muted flat color, mm -hmm. almost like Nardo gray. Like it's, it's just, it's just a solid blue, of, a solid, yeah, light solid blue. blue. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So uh, other than that, I mean, those are really the only two options I selected um, for creature comforts, headlights and the mm -hmm. upgraded screen. 
Um, I went with the trailer trailer package um, because I do plan to tow uh, with this um, semi frequently in the future. Uh, and I also have the air suspension, which became an optional extra for 2022. Mm -hmm. And I have the uh, advanced off-road package, I think is what it's called. It's not the standard off-road package, but it's uh, it gives you the locking rear differential. That's, that is just the standard off-road package. Okay. So the then I got the advanced stuff with my trailer. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yes, because so, that yeah. all came with – if you get the, the towing package – it requires you to get the advanced off-road capability package. Yeah. So that's, so. Um, which I did not get the, I have both the off-road pack and the advanced off-road pack, but I do not have the towing package. Uh, going back, if I could redo my car, I would get that just in case. I don't really plan on towing. And if we do need to, God forbid, if we were ever have to tow something, we have the Disco 5 that does have the towing package. And that can tow a little bit more than my the four-cylinder Defender can. But... If I were to go back and redo my car, I would have gotten the towing pack. And I, it, it still kind of pisses. I'm still kicking myself. I'm still kicking myself after, you know, almost a year. Clear sight mirror is something I just, and I'm still kicking myself for not getting that. Um, yeah, like it's one, there's no depth perception at all when the camera's on, it's like looking at a TV screen. You can't see how far something is behind you, but you can see. Um, now, granted, now I'm pretty used to the tire there, but the, the clear sight mirror was just something, you know, having driven GM cars with it, I did not like it. Uh, and then actually my salesman kind of talked me out of it because I originally did have it on my bill. But um, he kind of just talked me out of it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've driven other cars with it. And it, it, I just didn't like it. But JLR's version is a lot better than GM's version. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, that's something I definitely would have gotten. And actually, I mean, I mean, as you know, not everyone knows this. But my original plan, I was going to give a Defender 90 P400S X-Dynamic. That is what I was going to get because I wanted the six cylinder because my old car was a, my old LR4 slash Discovery 4 was the V8 and I wanted something with similar power. And I really liked the 90. It was also cheaper than the 110, but I really liked the 90. I love the way it looks. I think the proportions are a little bit better on the 90 than the 110. Um, but then I drove one and I just didn't like, I just did not like how that engine delivered power, you know. I talked about it in my first podcast, but really just really quickly to go through it. It has an electric supercharger. It's not like the Mercedes EQ boost electric supercharger that like kicks in at hundred RPM. Land Rover says it kicks in like instantly. I don't feel it. Every single version of that engine that I've driven all kind of has the same hesitation under 1500 RPM, completely dead, just absolutely nothing. And then above 1500 RPM, it pulls hard all the way to red line. Um, so ultimately, I then I drove a four cylinder and I was like, oh, wow, this is way more powerful than I was expecting it to be. And 
I ultimately decided I would rather have a little bit of turbo lag because it's that engine's a little bit laggy under about 2,500 RPM, but it's not, it's not like old fashioned turbo lag. It's not like, you know, an old Supra or um, an Ebarth 500, but there's a little bit of turbo lag. So I decided I'd rather have a little bit of turbo lag than absolutely nothing for the first half second. And um, I'm actually very happy with the four cylinder. I think uh, it's more than enough power. It's not like super fast, but it's certainly not slow by any means. And the fuel economy is all right. It's, you know, I average about 19 in you know city and highway driving um but yeah my only complaint with this is the god-awful fake engine noise um but yeah i'm i'm actually quite pleased with the with the engine that i got now if they sold the diesels here i would totally get the new d250 straight six diesel or the d300 straight six diesel but you know we don't get those yeah unfortunately not yeah but it's it's been it's been a great car so far and I love it. It's um I don't I, I I do not plan on getting rid of it. You know, I next six and a half years of warranty I have, I'm gonna use it all. But uh once it's time for me to get a new car, I'm 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 gonna hold on to that and keep I've always said I'm probably just gonna end up next with a golf R but or golf GTI, but I I can't let this one go. But yeah. So you want to add anything? Actually, real quick, I do want to talk. For a while, you complained a little bit about the Meridian sound system. And then uh, now all of a yeah, sudden you so, like it. Uh, the cars that I drove, um, the demo cars, for whatever reason, the soundstage sounded significantly lower than what I have now. So I don't know if in for the 2022-year model they repositioned the speakers or whatever, but... I'm actually relatively pleased with the sound quality. I mean, it's um, it's the stock sound system, which I think is a $400 upgrade on a regular Defender. But, I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it sounds pretty good. And the bass response actually is superior to most vehicles that I've driven in terms of accuracy. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not big booming bass. It's not overwhelming, but it's very accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think... The bass performance, and like I have the same one, the 400 watt 11 speaker Meridian sound system, not the surround sound. Um, it's I think it's extremely clear. Um, I think the sound stage is a little bit low, but for 20, they did not change that for 22. The speakers are all in the exact same place. I don't know. Well, where. they might have maybe adjusted the angle of the speaker within its speaker grill, maybe, or maybe they've uh, re-engineered some software to make it sound more elevated but. if anything i would guess it's software i guarantee you they did not change the angle of the speaker but regardless i mean i think mine's a little bit low again i have not listened to yours i've not been in a 22 well actually i have but uh that's a story for another day but the one that 22 i was in had the uh, 700 watt meridian surround sound and that was you know much much better but yeah i think the bass response is fantastic it is um I do think that system is a little bit more bass heavy um, compared to some other systems, but it's, it, it is very accurate in the way it, it produces sound. The mids are probably the weakest point, in my opinion. There's only two mid-range speakers uh, in, in, with the 400-watt system, 
but it's not bad at all by any means. And then the highs are pretty good as well. It's very clear. Uh, vocals are pretty good. And like the, the bass response is, is wonderful. And it's, um, and there, it, it, there's like no distortion at all. Even my old LR4 with Harmon Cardin had no distortion, but that was uh, a little bit more like kind of bass heavy. Like that had some boomy bass to it, but, um, but yeah, overall it's, um, I, I think it's great. I would have preferred the surround sound because that's my discovery as the 825 watt 15 speaker Meridian surround sound system. And it, in my opinion, one of the absolute best sound systems I've ever heard in a car. It beats out, a, in my opinion, it beats out a lot of stuff, really high end stuff. I think it's better than the previous generation of high end Bang & Olsen system in Audis. Um, I think it's better than the high-end Bang & Olufsen that you could used to get in Mercedes as well. Um, uh, not as good as the Bowers & Wilkins in the Volvo, um, but better than like the Harman Kardon in BMW. Uh, I think it's better than the Revel systems in the new Lincolns. And actually the Revel system in Lincoln is really, really good. But I still think the, the 825 watt Meridian is superior to pretty much everything apart from some Bowers and Wilkins systems and also the 1700 watt Meridian signature sound system that you can get. You, you can get in the XJ and you can get it in the, you can get in the Velar, the Sport and the full size. That is, that even elevates it more. And that is just as good as the Bowers and Wilkins and Volvos. Um, but yeah, that's just, again, that's just me. I'm kind of an audiophile. I, I always have to get the high-end sound system, but uh, for what it is, I mean, the standard six-speaker sound system, the Defender, in my opinion, it, it, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, it's not as bad as something that's in like a, like a Jeep Wrangler, but it's it's pretty bad. It's for listening to the news and the Autos and Airways podcast, a little um, uh, self-advertisement there. Uh, it's just for the news and podcasts, and, that, and that's about it. You don't want to listen to that with music because it's, 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 it's pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. Um, but... Yeah, so um, let's move on. Uh, we were going to talk about a, a little bit of a different topic today of Chinese cars, more specifically knockoff copycat Chinese cars. Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff there. We, um, we found some, some shit. Let's just, let's just some absolute shit. Yeah, I will uh, start um, with the, I don't know how the fuck you pronounce this thing. The, uh, well, uh, for the people that are watching this on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen to this. This is the, oh, I'm going to botch this. The Hong... Huanghai, Huang, Huanghai, whatever, Plutus. And uh, it is basically a first generation Chevy Colorado. I mean, that, that looks exactly like a first gen Chevy Colorado, which I probably should have pulled this up, but. This thing, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I can't I have a big picture of a, all I want is a, like, how hard can it be to find a picture 
of a here. That's big enough. I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's oh, and I bet you that thing is just so horrible to drive. I mean, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. I don't know what uh what do you, what do you want to uh I know there was a car that you'd like to talk about. Uh yeah, the uh Landwing X7. Yeah, which is a carbon copy of the Range Rover Evoque, the first gen Evoque. Yeah, um and it's almost like a spitting image copy. It is. I mean from the side it is almost identical. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would if I saw that in public, just from the side, I'd be like, oh, look, it's a Range Rover. And then I would go look at it some more and I'd be like, um, that's definitely yeah. not a Range Rover. No, I mean, it is. I'm, I have pictures of it right here. And my God, that thing is. Ugh. And I think JLR sued them and they lost. I mean, uh, like, did they? Because I thought they actually won. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. It I was apologize. like the only time yes, they that did a win. company has ever won. Right. Because BMW sued a company that made like a copycat first-generation X5, and they lost. I know that was yeah. the one. But yeah, but yeah, you're, this was the only one where they actually, like, they won. And it, it, I mean, it's so bad. Like, they even copied, like, the paint colors. Like, that's yeah, like they how, really did. That's how bad, I mean, yeah, it. God, I can't. If you drive one of these, you're a you're an imposter. I mean, it's just like it. <laughs> the inside though was kind of similar to an Evoke, but not. You could see like kind of the air vents look the same. The center console design is not the same, but you can see there's probably some inspiration there, but. And of course, the inside is not very nice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's um, Chinese cars are just 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 shit. They're just shit. Um, now, there's one that I wanted to bring up. This is kind of cool, actually. It's very retro, and it's got modern features. But again, it's going to be crap. This is the Aura Punk Cat. Yes, that's the name of the car. And it's an old Beetle. It's a first-generation Beetle. And it's Chinese. And it's a four-door Beetle. But the inside of it actually looks, like, really cool. I mean, it's got some... It's got a giant-ass screen, but it's very retro. And I think it's actually quite charming. But it's still a copy, and yeah. And VW said that they're gonna they're gonna go for legal action against you know this copycat thing. But as they should, are they gonna win? I have no idea. But it's um that might be the only Chinese car that has some charm to it. But I'm sure once you get in and drive it, it's it's probably pretty bad. It is electric, but, you know, I mean, it's, that can't be good. That can't be good. 
I don't know. You have you have a couple more that you'd like to discuss? Uh, yeah. So we also have the Life in three thirty, which mm-hmm. is a knockoff Mini Cooper. Now, yes. um, this kind of looks, um, quite frankly, like shit. <laughs> yeah, it certainly. Um, oh, here's a picture of it crashing, and the crash test. That thing yeah, looks. So it, oh, it I'm has, sure you die in that thing. It, it has the general shape of a mini. Uh huh. Um, it has a contrasting color roof, which most minis do. You can get it with um, racing stripes on the hood, or sorry, no bonnet stripes. I apologize to my English friends. It's bonnet stripes, not hood stripes. Yeah, and the even the headlights, like other than like the part that kind of sticks down further into the bumper, mm-hmm. they kind of look like my minis um, projector bulbs that they put in them. They just stack them on top of each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking so, at this thing. It, it, it ha- apparently, like in Latin and South America, or like Latin America and the Caribbean, it has a zero zero star safety rating. And right below it is a picture of a Volkswagen Up, which is not sold here, obviously. Um, that thing got a five star safety rating, and that thing's basically the same size. I mean, I don't know. I've never driven it up. Um, that's I think an Up's a little smaller. It might. I'm not. I don't. I didn't look up the dimensions, but I would rather have an accident in an up than that thing because who? It, it looks like it was put together with chewing gum and spit. I mean, it's bad. I mean, Land Rover does technically glue most of their cars together. Yes, they do with rivets. Aluminium technology, but but that that's pretty. I mean, even the up, like I, I think the ups a cool little car but it's not for me but i would the fact that that got a five-star safety rating and this chinese thing got zero i mean actually my my previous guest uh and it just chat and she used to drive it up for a while um before she got the uh, bar but yeah this thing's just oh i would i think i would rather be buried alive than be seen in one of these things it's just like, it's sad. It looks like someone described a Mini Cooper over the phone. And the same thing with, with like that Volkswagen Beetle. It looks like that. And speaking of that, there is another car that you'd like to discuss. Yes, the CH Auto Lithia, which, um, like you said, it looks like someone has described an Audi R8 to somebody on the phone, and they've just drawn it. And um, Yeah. They drew yeah, it. They they drew it with a Crayola marker. Or no, they drew, they, 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 they're not fancy. They drew it with a crayon. <laughs> There's some pretty fancy crayons these days, Alex. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. There are very expensive crayons that artists use. And I'm certainly not an artist. Well, I do make, I do run a podcast now. So I guess it makes me an artist. And it is an explicit podcast. So I guess that means technically i make explicit content you should start an only fans <laughs> oh yeah that's a that's a great idea that's i mean a, hey <laughs> yeah no no one no one wants to no one wants to see that gotta pay for the defender somehow oh that's not <laughs> we don't need to worry about that but uh Remember, this is not Call Her Daddy. This is not the Call Her Daddy podcast. This is the Autos and Airways podcast. <laughs> so 
Oh God, my ex-girlfriend even listened to that. It was it was torture. Anyway, yes, this is a but it looks you're right. Someone described an R8 over the phone, but it's not ugly. I don't think it's ugly. It's no, it's not ugly, but it's not great. No, it's not, it's not. It's it's still stupid. Oh god, here's one that looks this looks like a, a Toyota IQ or the Scion IQ. What is this? Uh, I don't, I don't, whatever that, I, I don't know. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Chinese copycat cars. Or, but it is amazing though, what China in like the past 25 years went from making this Bicycles. thing. This thing that I have pulled up on my screen, whatever the hell that thing is, that's a that's that's a tricycle to making, you know, this that looks I, almost identical to a Range Rover Evoque. And well, hell, now they're making Polestar. Polestars are made there. Um, I said that Cadillac CT6 plug-in hybrid was made in China. The Buick Encore is made in China. That's a it's a crap car, but it's not, it's not terrible. Um, but yeah, and uh, some, some, I know, I think like the, the, all the S Volvo uh, S nineties, I believe come from China now, but I, uh, I would not want to, I would not want to own a Chinese car. I'm just, I'm sorry. I just don't want a car that says that has a made in China sticker on it. Just no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, regardless of what it is, even the Polestar, which I'm dying to drive one of those, but that's not going to happen anytime soon because they're stupid and you have to they have like three dealers in the country and you have to buy one online like why can't i just go to a volvo dealer but whatever anyway they're trying to be tesla yeah and that's not going to work anyway we need to start to wrap this up so i'm going to ask you some questions i'm going to make this kind of go as quickly as i can um questions that i ask everyone on this podcast I really need to do a better job of organizing this. Um, let's see. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So first question, uh, most interesting and or weird car that you have driven? Most interesting and or weird. Yes. Hmm. So, um, it depends on your definition of interesting, but um, I actually drove a manual G80 M3. So have I. And um, it was interesting to me because it will probably be BMW's last ever manual transmission car, but it was shit. I disagree with you completely on that. And I take that M2. That's coming out, and that's going to have a manual. M2 well, we'll see. I wouldn't want. I would rather own the M3 over the the. If the M2 looks anything like the the two series teasers, then I don't want anything to do with it. Based on stuff I've seen, like leaked bumpers and stuff, it's not going to have the Bucky the Beaver grill on it. Thank God. Mm. But the new two series is a bit strange looking. No, I disagree. I thought I thought it was very good. Um, the, the manual transmission felt like rubber. It uh, was very vague. 
You couldn't really tell what gear you were in. I will say I was impressed with the auto rev match. It mm -hmm. rev matched down into first gear, which most cars that have auto rev match, they don't rev past or they don't rev match down past second gear. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was impressed by that. But in general, the transmission, it just felt numb. It felt like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. It was very vague. It, you just couldn't really tell what gear you were in. And it didn't feel fast. Like, not at all. Um, now I And it's supposed to have more power than my RS3 and more torque than the RS3, and it didn't feel like it. Now, I agree with you to some stuff on that transmission. Um, yeah, I thought the shifter was kind of vague and rubbery. I thought, the, in my opinion, I thought the clutch was really good. It was maybe just a tiny bit too light, but... It was too light it was, and it, it was, was like, too springy. For me, like, in my opinion, I thought, like, if that thing was, like, 5% heavier, I think that clutch would have been perfect. Um, but, yeah, just, just the throws were a little bit long. I wasn't expecting the throws to be that long. On the, in, on it also shifter. wasn't in a very user-friendly location. Like, the shifter felt far away from the steering wheel, and it was a little far back. Yeah, I can – yeah, in, in some ways, I, I can agree with you on that. But – and then I also have driven an M4 competition with the ZF8 speed. I wanted to drive an M3 with the ZF8 speed. But the thing that shocked me the most is how different those two cars were. I mean, the well, M3 was – I, this with a six speed, if it was me buying one, I, that's the one I'd get because I want a manual. But the just the, the competition, it was just significantly sharper and it has so much. It, I think it has like almost 20% more torque than the base M3, and you could really feel it. Like you could, that was like the first thing that I really noticed. The steering was better in the competition and it, it just felt sharper overall. It felt more of a focused precision performance car compared to the base model did it feel really any faster yeah i mean i guess you could say that with just with the zf8 speed being closer ratio in the power band longer but yeah i was i was just kind of very i was not expecting it to be significantly different than the base model and it seems like well if they could have made the base model drive a bit more like that you know, give it slightly shorter throws and a little bit better, you know, shifter, you know, they could have a winner on their hands, I think. Yeah, if they, if they made the shifter better. Now, the aftermarket, I'm sure, will support mm -hmm. upgraded shifting uh, fill. Uh, but out of the factory, I just kind of expected more from BMW. Yeah, yeah. BMW has been kind of disappointing lately. Yeah. I, mean, ever, I mean, I think their last really, really, well, obviously M2, I thought was amazing. Um, previous gen M2. I can't speak for the new one yet. Um, but before that, F10 M5, I really liked. I did like the F10 M5, but really before all that, it was, it was the E46. It was the E46. But yeah, so... That's, I could say, yeah, that's it's definitely an interesting car. Yeah, you made some interesting points on that. Um, I mean, for me, like just interesting and or weird. I said it in my last podcast with Tish. The weirdest car I've ever driven was a Chevy SSR. That thing was just wacky. 
Um, but yeah, I've always um, wanted one of those. Oh, when I was a kid, I thought it was the, that was like hot shit. When I was a kid, I thought it was the coolest yeah. thing. I had all like the ha- Matchbox and Hot Wheels, Chevy SSR. It was, like, and now that I'm like older, I'm like that was made for boomers. <laughs> yeah, Is you're that, not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever seen someone under the age of? 65 drive one of those no No. yeah yeah um so um uh, what got you into cars like how did you uh well i don't know what really got me into cars but um i grew up in this unique area of north carolina called um race city usa um we were in mooresville and uh my daycare was in a race park um where they <laughs> that's, have that's cool all... that's cool. yeah so um we like roush racing was like across the street or whatever and i remember just hearing engines and stuff when i was a kid and seeing them push frames up and down the road so um i think that's probably like subconsciously now that i think about it that's probably what really got me into cars but uh yeah yeah that's cool i was not that's um i've never heard a story like that before that's actually usually it's always oh it's your parents or or a neighbor or or you know whatever or, or video games but like that's uh that's a very unique story i like that a lot that's really cool um yeah and now look at you you got some you got some really cool stuff um so I'll give you the next question. A car that is not sold here in the U.S. that really interests you and something that you would like to drive? I would love to have a Suzuki Jimny. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. That's a, you know, I was talking, you know, my last podcast with Tish. I mean, that's like, that's like, she loves that thing. She thinks that's like an amazing car. She almost bought one. She almost bought one, but it's just like it you can't get them and then they're only it's kind of it's limited production anyway and then they there's i think some government regulations and now you can only get like the commercial variant it's like a van um but i can see that i think it's a really neat little car it's it's kind of you know it's old school back to basics four by four um i don't know if i'd own one though but yeah, um, for me, it's the uh, Alpine or the Alpine A110. I think that's really, really cool. Um, so I'm going to give you, so there's uh, one more question uh, before we wrap this up. And that is, I ask, this, I ask everyone this, what is your car of the year? Of all the cars you've driven this year, what's the best car you've driven? Um. I haven't really driven any new cars this year other than the Defender. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say the Defender. Really? It's a solid choice. Yeah. I, I, it's a good, it's a great car. It is. Um, for me, it was the Porsche Taycan Turbo. Um, and then I also, uh, this past weekend, drove the uh, Audi e-tron GTRS. Um, Tish recommended that. And very impressed. I mean, that thing was 95% as good as the Taycan. Thought the Taycan just still felt more like performance car, but the Audi was. If I was to buy one, I'd buy the Audi. Um, but that has since changed, 
and it is now the uh, CT5 V Blackwing is now my car of the year. It nice. I fell in love with that thing, and there's never going to be anything like it ever again. It's the end of an era, and it's a car that everyone's going to look back on and remember like, wow, that was a great car. GM really knocked it out of the park with that one. So, yeah. So, Jacob, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the Autos and Airways podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Um, if you want to give your social medias and uh, we'll... uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, nardo.rs3 on Instagram as well as jacob.bot.photo. Um, so yeah, and yeah. um, sh- shameless plug here for the Tank Half Empty podcast as well. It's not shameless, it's go right ahead. You inspired me. I know you said, uh, I'm going to be, um, you're gonna have me on soon, so. That yeah. would be, that would be fun. Um, you know, you and your, uh, your buddies do that. It's, it's a great podcast. I, uh, I listen, I listen to it religiously, uh, not because you're a friend of mine, but because it is a, you guys are funny. You, you, you know, your stuff. It's uh, it's a, it's a great, great, great listen. So uh, I'll definitely be sure to uh, link all of those in the bio on the YouTube page and also on anchor as well. So, like I said, Jacob, thank you so much uh, for joining us and, uh, We hope to have you on again sometime down the road. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.